Thanks for listening to the Inner Life Podcast. Be sure to join us every weekday at 11 a.m. Central on Relevant Radio or on the Relevant Radio app. Find your local Relevant Radio station at RelevantRadio.com or stream us live every day on the Relevant Radio app. It's time to set out on the pathway to healing and light. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. If you have questions or concerns about your faith journey, if you are struggling or searching for something more, if you are in need of some spiritual direction, our Catholic priests are here to help. One heart at a time. Welcome to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Hello and welcome to this edition of The Inner Life. I hope your Monday is off to a good start here. It's the memorial of Saints Joachim and Anne, the parents of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and so glad to have you listening here on this Monday on The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, and uh, Nick, our producer here, he and I were just talking before the break, uh, before the start of the show, that, uh, boy, it really feels like a Monday to both of us, so hopefully... (laughs) Hopefully you're doing a little better than we are. But as we begin today, have you ever bought anything off of an infomercial? If you're up late at night or maybe you just have a lazy Saturday afternoon there at home, you have the television on, you're flipping through the channels, have you found yourself stopping to watch whatever that item is that's being talked up by the people on the screen? You know, sometimes it's even the inventor, that person who created and developed the item being sold They're the ones that are on there, on that infomercial, talking about how amazing their product is and why everyone, including you, everyone, needs needs this in their life to make your life complete. If you buy this one gadget, then you'll be able to do the work that used to take you hours only in a few minutes, or you'll be able to start cooking these amazing mouth-watering meals, even if up till now you've only ever been able to do Pop-Tarts and ramen. Or that chore that you used to dread, it'll now become a joy because you have this new product that'll make doing that task the the very best part of your day. Those infomercials, I will admit, I'm a bit of a sucker when it comes to them. I'll watch the demonstrations, I'll listen to the sales pitch, and I will get pulled into it. You know, oh, they're absolutely right. I do need this. And those three easy payments of $500 over the next three months, they do sound easy. And look at all those extra things that they're throwing in if I just call within the next 12 minutes. I, I, I need this. Well, to be honest, I think I've only ever bought maybe three or four things after watching an infomercial. But there have been several more times throughout my life where I've sat there debating, should I call? Should I get this? Should I call that toll-free number, order whatever they're selling? One item that I bought after watching an infomercial was when I was in college. And it was during the summer. I was home from school for the summer months. I was, it was a Saturday afternoon. I was flipping through the channels, just like I mentioned. And while I was flipping through, I landed on an advertisement, and it was for a speed reading course. And the guy who had developed the speed reading program he was de- demonstrating how he could read this 200-page book. I think, I think it was something on uh, maybe the life of uh, a golfer, you know, maybe an Arnold Palmer or something like that. And he was able to read the entire book just scanning page after page after page within the span of maybe only two, two and a half minutes. 
And then the person who was there as the host facilitating, asking the interview questions of why this is such an amazing product that everybody needs. He asked all these different questions about information in the book. And the person who had just done the speed reading, he said, yeah, I can answer all of those. Didn't matter where, we, where he was quizzed on in the book. He just gave these detailed answers to all the questions. And so I watched and I thought, you know, this would allow me to race through all the reading that I need to do, all the different material that I have for school, and I'd be able to have more time at college to do the things that I want to do. You know, go spend time with my friends, just <laughs> sleep. You know, that, that, that's probably one of the big ones. But it didn't work. I ended up getting it sent to me. And as soon as it came in the mail, I sat down with it. And I started going through the course. I was following it step by step. But no matter how much I tried to do those exercises in the program, my reading wasn't getting any faster. I honestly, I don't remember how much I paid for that program. But I definitely didn't get any payoff, any reward from purchasing it. And the more that I've looked into the possibility of speed reading, most research that I've come across, it points to the fact that we really can't read at that speed that some speed readers brag about. At least we can't read and have any sort of substantial comprehension. This is because of our tendency to sub-vocalize, sub-vocalization. What is sub-vocalization? It's the inner speech that we all hear in our heads when we read silently. Why do we do this? Well, it's because we all learn to speak and to listen before we learn to read. So almost everyone on the planet tends to mentally create those sounds of speech when we read. And I remember this happening when I was young and learning to read. Everything I had initially been taught about reading was done out loud. I'm sure it was the same for you. If you say or you sing through the ABCs, you do it, do it out loud. If you sit on your parents' lap and read a beginner's book, you read it out loud, or they might read it to you. But again, they read it out loud to you. But at some point, I realized that all the, the adults around me, when they were reading something for themselves, it didn't matter what it was. If it was a book, a magazine, a newspaper, they would sit there quietly and read, not saying anything. Their eyes just focused down on whatever page they were looking at, filled with words. And I was probably about four or five years old at the time, but I remember thinking there must be some sort of difficult process in learning how to read silently like the adults read. But then I sat there looking at the words on the pages of one of my kids' books, one of those beginner books, and I could hear those words in my mind, even though I wasn't saying them out loud. And I went through the entire book that way, not saying anything audibly, just simply hearing the words in my mind. And after I finished the book, I remember asking, is this how you read silently? And my mom, she said, yep, that's, that's it. That was it. Just letting my mind focus on the words and the sentences. I didn't have to say them out loud. In the same way, I'll kind of find myself now as an adult praying silently throughout the day. Sometimes there are those specific moments where I do, I do pr pray out loud. You know, I'll be praying a rosary out loud with our family. Then there are the audible prayers. Or at Mass, the different responses during that liturgical prayer. But there are plenty of times where 
I'll say those in my mind. I'm sure you do the same thing. The Our Father, the Hail Mary, uh, the Memorari, or another one of those common prayers. We'll say it mentally. And yet at other times I find myself where I don't necessarily say specific words in prayer, but I'll still be in conversation with God. For me, this is living out what St. Paul instructs us to do, to pray without ceasing. And so today on The Inner Life, we want to take this hour to look at how we can grow in our prayer life. Very specifically, we want to look at mental prayer. What does that mean? How do you incorporate into your life? How do you, how do you understand the difference between what is mental prayer and the different types of prayers that we do? I, I mentioned the liturgical prayers, the audible prayers, praying in a group. So today we're going to do that with the help, examine this concept of mental prayer with Father Chris Walsh, one of our regular spiritual directors here on the program. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. He's the pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort Catholic Church in Philadelphia. And Father Chris, so glad to have you back here on the program today as we talk about mental prayer. Uh, How are you when it comes to infomercials? Do you find yourself getting sucked in and having to buy whatever they're selling, or are are you able to withstand it? I, I certainly have withstand it. Thanks so much, Josh. It's good to be with you again on this beautiful feast of uh, the grandparents of Jesus as well. Uh, I, I certainly feel the draw, you know, and uh, and I do. And I'm sometimes at the mall a few times a year, I see those as-seen-on-TV's uh, stores where they sell all this stuff on the infomercial. Um, and, and it certainly is a draw because it seems like this is going to make my life easier. Uh, and I guess in some cases things pretty do, but I, I pretty much withhold uh, shopping and and, and don't get sucked in, mostly because I'm cheap. <laughs> I think for me, it's more I'm cynical now uh, because the few things that I have bought off of infomercials, uh, they never work as well as you hope they will. Um, I, I'm sure that's common to most people who have bought things that way. But, uh, you know, as we start the program today, though, talking about mental prayer, let's talk about some of those different types of prayer. I mentioned liturgical prayer. Um, that specifically, my mind goes to the Mass. Are there other aspects of liturgical prayer that we might partake in uh, as a community? Certainly. And, and, and it's interesting because although we call them vocal prayer, Josh, as we know, they're oftentimes pathways to mental prayer, men, uh, meditation and, and, and contemplation, things like the Rosary, things like the Stations of the Cross, things like a Novena, um, or, or other prayers, divine mercy, some of the devotions, particularly that are prayed in a group where we're sort of on someone else's pace because we're praying it with others. And so therefore, it's, it is mostly vocal prayer. We're speaking to God. Perhaps sometimes on our own, we have a little more time in between, so there's an opportunity for meditation. The, the rosary, certainly the way it's developed over time, gives us meditations for each of the decades. But, but for the most part, they are vocal prayers, that, that could become contemplative prayers. And, of course, the, the whole plethora of novenas that are out there uh, would also be uh, vocal prayer. So, you know, besides that speaking aloud of the vocal prayer, are there other aspects that come into that um, before we kind of dive into mental prayer, just to, to kind of have the differentiation there? Um, there's obviously the audible part of it. Are, is it always something where... Um, you're, you mentioned kind of the rosary especially brings in those different aspects. 
but vocal prayer, does it limit to what we can do regarding the meditative, the contemplative, those mental prayer aspects? Does it just kind of leave us stopping at a certain point, doesn't allow us to go beyond since it is vocal? Well, we, we wouldn't, we're not saying like, you know, vocal prayer is bad. No, okay? no, no, no. And, and I hope I'm not giving that impression. Yeah. Um, it, it's just, it's probably the most accessible prayer and a place to begin. It's also how our Lord prayed often, right? Certainly we have the examples of his going away and his being quiet and, and his being alone with the Father. But we also have him teaching us when you pray, don't babble on, but pray our Father who art in heaven. And so that is a vocal prayer that Jesus himself gave us. As a Jewish man, when he would have gone, probably with St. Joseph, to the synagogue at Nazareth in the morning and at evening for prayer, certainly on the Sabbath as well, you know, the, the, the Jews have very rarely, other than a few of the feast days, particularly Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, they're always praying out loud. Uh, so, so even in a sense, the praying of the Psalms liturgically, which would have been Jesus' way of praying, it would have been very much out loud, not a quiet reading of the Psalms. But e- even when you were praying by yourself, the Jews, and, and you have that tradition still, if you make it to Jerusalem and you get to the, the, the Western Wall, uh, Jews praying the prayers out loud. And so there, there is something to that because it does involve, you know, our interior life. It, we're, we're speaking the words, but it's, it is a manifestation. And so it is a, a, a way to begin to internalize the words that we're saying that then sets us up for the next step, which would be meditation. All right. And so you use those words meditation or meditative prayer, contemplative prayer. Uh, can we use these terms interchangeably when we're talking about mental prayer? Are there different are they different sides of the same coin or are they completely different aspects of praying? Great question. Great question. You know, now and the challenge is that when sometimes when we use them or sometimes folks are writing about them, they almost become interchangeable. But they are very different. And again, the, the beautiful gift of the Catechism of the Catholic Church and its section on prayer spells this out beautifully, the, the section one on vocal prayer, then meditation, and then contemplative prayer. One of the uh, phrases that it uses regarding meditation, which I love, is meditation is above all else a quest. <laughs> right? So, so we're, we want to put it out there from the beginning that this can be a challenge. And Christian meditation is very different than Eastern meditation. Right? Sometimes our senses are up uh, defensive somewhat that, oh, well, that's, that's dangerous. And, and there is some danger in, in Buddhism and some of the other Eastern meditations, which have this idea of emptying myself. That's not Christian meditation. Christian meditation is engaging my mind and beginning to engage my heart, primarily with the scriptures, um, perhaps with art, perhaps with music, um, you know, poetry could even be a, 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 a base in which we begin meditation. But it's the engagement of the mind. And meditation is somewhat active. So it might, depending upon the type of meditation we use, it might engage, you know, with a scripture scene. It might engage with particular words of Jesus. It might engage, you know, with an icon or a painting or a mystery of the rosary or a station of the cross. So that our mind is engaged and perhaps we're even engaged in a conversation with God. So, so that's where the meditation, you know, I'm, I'm going to be listening a lot more than in vocal prayer, right? It might begin the same way, but then in the meditation, I'm going to be quiet and I'm going to begin listening for the movement of God. Maybe he'll speak to me. Maybe it'll just be a movement in my own heart. Contemplation is, is more of a grace. Uh, we can't make ourselves contemplate. Um, we can set ourselves up, which is a more quiet prayer that often flows out of meditation, 
But in our Catholic tradition, we would understand that the gift of contemplative prayer is a grace given by God in which we're simply able to be quiet and rest in his grace and experience his love in, in a way that's profoundly different than vocal prayer and meditation, which both also allow us to experience his love. You know, it reminds me of uh, this story that, as you're talking about the contemplative prayer, this story that I remember hearing about St. John Vianney, and he talks about when he first came to ours, uh, the place where he was priest for so many years. He said there was this man who would pass by the church, and every time he passed by, he'd go in. It was If it was on his uh, way into work in the morning, if it was coming home in the evening, and he'd spend hours there just looking, and he'd be in the back of the church sitting in a pew looking at the Blessed Sacrament, looking at Jesus there. And St. John Vianney said, one time I went up to him and said, what do you do during these visits, during these times that you're here coming into the church? And this man simply said, I say nothing. I look at him and he looks at me. And that sounds like that, that grace that you're talking about in contemplative prayer. Certainly. And, and that is a line sort of echoed in different ways by so many of the great uh, spiritual masters. And it's this knowing that the Lord is beholding me. I, I don't need to say anything. It's much like, again, grace builds on nature. And I think, Josh, we have so many experiences of these different types of prayer in our human relationships. You know, it's beautiful to be with an older couple who can be in the room together after 40, 50, 60 years of marriage. They don't need to say anything. They simply look at each other with love. When I'm visiting nursing homes or folks that are, you know, homebound, you know, and you can see that abiding love in the way a spouse looks at the other, uh, particularly if they're suffering, perhaps if there's dementia. They don't need to say anything. They don't even need to hear anything. There's a delight in the presence, and that's at the human level. And so we take that to, to the deeper level, this uh, you know, prayer of contemplation, where I'm, I'm just beholding God and allowing him to behold me and, and, and just experiencing that intimate love. So as we've talked now, given a little bit of insight on meditative prayer, given some insight on contemplative prayer, both of those falling under that umbrella of mental prayer, are there any other types of prayer, any other sort of aspects of mental prayer that we should talk about before we start discussing, okay, how do we put this into practice? Anything else that, that would fall yeah. under that umbrella? Not that I'm aware of. I think that I think that the, the mental prayer is best characterized by the um, the only thing that would sort of fit in there would be like a lexio divina, you know, a lexio divina that then leads to meditation, which then leads to contemplation. Um, so, so, so probably the, the the base entry level for mental prayer is is lexio, which could be done either as an individual um, or with with a group which is which is popular in some parishes where there's sort of a shared you know quiet time reflection on the scripture and some faith sharing happening you know in a, in a small group capacity but that is the that is the foundation the presumption is that there is mental prayer happening before there is faith sharing uh, sometimes there's not but but that's the sure. ideal but that would be the umbrella of what we would call mental prayer as opposed to or following up on vocal prayer and if somebody, if, if they're hearing that phrase, Lexio Divina, for the very first time, can you explain what that is? Yes, uh, holy reading, holy reading. And so 
most commonly, Lexio Divina is done with Scripture, where you would begin um, the four questions I like to offer people for Lexio Divina. So say you read the daily Mass readings, and, and you're going to ask yourself four questions. What's it say? Uh, what's it mean? What's it mean to me? What am I going to do about it? So it's, it's, it's a way of wrestling or chewing on the Word of God more than just, oh, I read it before I went into Mass, which, again, praise God, people that can do that. So at least we can hear it better you know, if you're able to be at Mass uh, during, during the week or on, or on Sunday when we, please God, are all going. Uh, but Lexio could also be with, with the reading the writings of a saint, um, you know, again, some perhaps profoundly spiritual poetry, um, but it, it's a holy reading. It was certainly developed by the monks, particularly out of the Benedictine tradition uh, of Lexio Divina, of a holy reading, setting aside time, which we'll get into in all the aspects of mental prayer. It's probably our greatest challenge. But okay, I'm going I'm to do this for 15 minutes. I want to do this for 25 minutes. And it's a great practice to, to get into, and lots of resources out there to help us learn Lexio. And so again, those four questions, if somebody wants to start incorporating that, uh, you said, what's it say, the, the, this passage from Scripture, or if there's some other spiritual reading exactly. you're doing, what's it say, what does it mean, and, what does it mean to me then? Well, first, what does it mean, period? So what right. does it say, just so I understand the words, I understand the phrases, I understand the context, what's it mean, what's our Lord trying to say here to the audience? But then, I've got to make it for myself, what's it mean to me? Right. And then, and then not where, just understanding it, what it means to me, exactly. but you've got to take the next step and say, I can't just leave it there. Exactly. What am I going to do about it? And that's where I think the distinction with mental prayer, vocal prayer, I can talk, 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 talk. I don't pause to say, okay, what's this leading me to? What's, what's, what's the action plan? What's the response? God's always asking for a response from his people. Our spiritual director today here on The Inner Life, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, as we talk about mental prayer. A lot of different aspects of that, and uh, we want to be able to look ahead here this hour and talk about how we do incorporate that into our life. Um, Again, even as we're talking about prayer, what does that mean to me, and what am I going to do about that? And you should be asking yourself the same question. We'd love to hear from you, too. How do you incorporate prayer into your life? How do you specifically take that time to listen to what God might be saying to you, to reflect on what's being said, whether it's through Scripture, maybe it's something that you heard at Mass, one of the readings, maybe something in the homily. What are some helpful things that you've been able to do to help minimize distractions while you're praying? Our studio line is open right now at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. Our email address, innerlife at relevantradio.com. More on mental prayer coming up here next on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Catholic Order of Foresters is proud to sponsor the Relevant Radio Studio Line. For information about employment opportunities and flexible premium life insurance plans, visit relevantradio.com forester. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. 
So glad to have you listening to this program today here at The Inner Life. I'm Josh Raymond, along with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. He's a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia. Today we're talking about mental prayer, uh, how we can incorporate that into our lives, uh, what it means for us, and how we can grow closer to Christ in that time spent in prayer. Um, How do you carve out that time for prayer? What are some helpful things that you've been able to do to minimize the distractions while you're praying? Our studio line, 888-914-9149, And uh, Father, as we continue talking about mental prayer, uh, one of the things that we were talking about there is setting aside that time and being able to not always have to have something we are saying. Uh, I remember reading in the past St. Jose Maria Escriva, his book, The Way, he has a section on prayer, and he says that prayer is never a monologue. Uh, he talks about how we should have minutes of silence in prayer. That time that's just spent in silence, you, you mentioned in our opening segment, you know, when we're meditating, it's not an opening up of ourselves and just kind of emptying like we might hear with Eastern uh, kind of uh, mysticism or meditation practices that are done with part of New Age movements, that sort of thing. Uh, rather, we're engaging our mind, engaging our heart, but we are listening. And so those minutes of silence, can you talk about the importance of that and and how we can maybe try and silence our mind because I know my mind can be so busy with so many other things that are happening. How do we silence our mind so that we can have those minutes of silence so that our prayer isn't just a monologue, that it really is a dialogue? Amen, amen. That is where it all begins. We live in a very busy and noisy time. So in, in years gone by, at least we would get into the car and maybe be quiet, but now you know, we catch up on a podcast or praise God, the, the radio is on relevant radio. That's a good thing. But, but it, 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 it's rare to have silence, right? Uh, we're in a doctor's office. We used to sit there for 10, 15 minutes while we waited or a half hour sometimes. And you were quiet, but no, now we, we go through emails. We, we check Facebook and Instagram. We respond to emails. And so the, 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 the allowance of just sitting there and sometimes at mass, you know, if I sit down after communion at a daily mass and allow for a minute or two, afterwards people say, oh, I thought you fell asleep. It's like, it was two minutes. <laughs> it was two minutes. And it's one of the things that we try to do here at St. Raymond's with our kids in our school and our religious ed program is help them cultivate silence. It is lost. It is lost. And so we have to admit that, first of all, that many of us have very little silence in our life. And we have to figure out as individuals, how do we get there? And how do we get comfortable with it? And so uh, I think we have to set a goal for ourselves, you know, and, and for most of us, it's going to be the morning. <laughs> and that's in the monastic tradition, of course, uh, you know, starting earlier. The reality is if we say, okay, I'm going to be quiet for 10 minutes at night, most of us are going to doze off. You know, if, you, if you're able to hang in there, great. But I, I tell people when they're starting prayer, you know, a simple goal of five minutes of quiet where you're simply breathing and perhaps saying the name of Jesus or read a psalm and then just sit there for five minutes and and again those four questions what's it say what's it mean what's it mean to me what am I going to do about it don't set out to start a holy hour 
for most people, that's not going to work. And so what ends up happening in the Holy Hour is I read this book, I do this devotion, I did this, and there's very little mental prayer. And so even if right now you're a Holy Hour, you're able to make that once a week, a couple times a week, daily perhaps, please God, um, then at least carve five minutes where you're just, you're just being quiet, right? And your mind is going to wander. Start over, <laughs> right? Your mind is going to stray. Start over. But it starts, Josh, with that commitment that, you know, okay, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I'm going to, you know, not read the paper in the morning, but I'm going to sit someplace in my house. I'm going to decide ahead of time where that is, or I'm going to stop at the church for five minutes, whatever it is. But we have to have a plan. Mental prayer always requires a plan. Where am I going to do it? When am I going to do it? What am I going to do? Um, but, but it begins with that silence and getting comfortable with silence before I get into all the methods. You know, one of the things uh, that I think about in the Catholic Church, we have so many prayers that have been written through the centuries by different saints. We have so many different parts of our prayer life where somebody has written something that says in a better way than I might be able to say on my own. But the other thing that comes to mind is if we don't really know what to say, if we don't know how to kind of make that starting point with God. Uh, St. Paul, in his letter to the Romans in the eighth chapter, he says that the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, comes to help us when we don't know how to pray. The Spirit intercedes with these groanings on our behalf, kind of expressing the things that we just don't know how to put into words. Part of that, too, is uh, I I remember reading years ago C.S. Lewis talking about just a very simple example of how the Trinity, all three persons of the Holy Spirit, are at work in our prayer lives. We're praying to the Father through the Son, but the Holy Spirit is the one prompting us. Is that something where praying to the Holy Spirit, asking for that help before we go into that mental prayer, that meditative part there, if it's for that five minutes, is that going to help us speed along as we're trying to have those times where we're saying, God, I want to be here. I want to listen to what you're saying. I want to be able to just be in your presence. Is that a good starting point? Are there other ways that you would encourage people to approach that five minutes where they're starting to take on that meditative prayer? Yeah, uh, certainly the Holy Spirit is always going to be the teacher of prayer. And, um, and, and so a, a simple prayer or a prayer from the heart to the Holy Spirit is certainly a good place to begin. Welcome Holy Spirit or come Holy Spirit because the Spirit wants to produce in us the presence of Jesus, which is what the Holy Spirit's mission always is. And so, yes, I think either a song to the Holy Spirit or a prayer to the Holy Spirit, but we just want to be cautious that at some point we're still getting to the quiet. Right. right? We don't want to have three minutes of, of, of prayers to the Holy Spirit and then a prayer of thanksgiving, and then we, we never actually tried to quiet our mind and our lips. And so <clears throat> perhaps beginning with that, I think another helpful tool, and this is coming from my, my experience with Ignatian prayer, is having an image of God. You know, again, this is where it's very different than Eastern meditation. Our mental prayer is an encounter with God. And so perhaps, you know, going through books of art or um, going through the Internet, you know, a search on the Internet for images of God, who am I speaking to? Am I speaking to the Father? Am I speaking to Jesus? Or in my prayer, am I going to have a conversation with the Holy Spirit? All three are good, and maybe you're going to change it up. 
um, but but to have an image of who you're speaking to, right? If I'm if I'm going to imagine having a conversation with my boss about something, I'm able to close my eyes and, and and picture my boss and have a conversation in my mind of how this is going to go, and so it does us well, right? We we are a church that embraces images. We didn't reject, as some of our other fellow Christians did, images of God, and and so having an image and possibly even before you, it's the value of keeping a nice holy card or a postcard. I encourage people when they're in churches and they find a painting that they love, you know, can they find a postcard of that? And, and use that to enter into the prayer. You know, Use that to focus. And again, this is very much a part of the tradition of the Eastern Church of praying with icons, um, but, but certainly in our custom as well. Why did our churches have the architecture and the beauty and the designs and the, and the tapestries that they did? Because it helps us to focus that we can be silent once I have an image and begin moving into meditation. So as we're sitting there, as we are trying to take that time for silence, part of that is wanting to hear what God is saying to us, Uh, not just simply reflecting or meditating upon, you know, like we might in the rosary or as you say, you know, if there's that image that we have there and we reflect upon God, how can we hear God, and how can we know that we are hearing God? You know, there are times where you might wonder, as you're in that silence, am I I really hearing God's leading in this moment, or is this just me thinking this and wanting it for myself? Is this Josh (laughs) that's saying, this is where I really want to go, but I'm going to just say, I think God wants me to go this way, versus... I really want to just hear clearly where God is leading or what he wants to say to me today. Yes. So, great, great point. Uh, I remember, Josh, now probably 25 years ago, I was in the seminary, blessed with a wonderful spiritual director, who I said, sometimes I feel like I'm making this up. And I said, I don't know if it's my imagination or it's God. And the answer was, yes. So we get caught up on this idea, Josh, that, you know, is this just my imagination? Well, yeah, but how does God reach us? How has God reached people before? You know, God worked through Michelangelo's uh, imagination. God worked through Beethoven and Gaudi's imaginations. God works through, you know, composers today in their imagination. And so even in our prayer, right, if, if, if we're, it, it, God's going to work through our imagination and, and proposing something at times, that's where we're going to hear these words. Am I imagining this? Well, well sort of, but, but God's speaking it. Um, or, or this tug on my heart, right? I have this desire, right? I make an offering to God, and all of a sudden I feel drawn more to one way or the other. Now, that's with an asterisk, right? Um, God's never going to lead us to anything that's evil. God's never going to lead us to anything that's sinful, and so that's obviously not on the table. Secondly, something that's within the, the structure of the church. And so when a person really g- begins to get into mental prayer, that's when they need to sort of begin exploring having a spiritual director, right? A, a, a private spiritual director who they're meeting with to talk about their prayer every six, eight weeks, something like that. Um, or if, if, if something comes up in the, in the tradition of, of the Spanish, there's uh, Father, can I have a spiritual direction? So it doesn't have to be ongoing spiritual direction, but I'm praying about something, and I sense to hear this, but I'm not sure if it's God or if it's me. Can we, can we sit down and talk about that? And, and again, most priests, this is what they want to talk about. They, they're not terribly excited to talk about 
the gym schedule for the upcoming basketball season, you know, <laughs> right. or, or, or when are we going to get the gutters cleaned out on the roof? Talking about your prayer, they'll make time for that. Don't think you're bothering them. This is what they what we live for. And if it's a simple question, it comes up. It can come up in confession. At the end of confession, Father, you know, I have a question. Something's happened in my prayer. Can you give me some advice? But you I think know, you're on to something there, Josh, that it is this balance of, of just being confident that God is going to speak to you. Right? Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. The words of the prophets have to be on our lips when we begin to enter into mental prayer. Well, and one of the things that you mentioned is as we're making that time for silence, we don't want to spend too much time, you know, that there's, if, if you've got that five minutes you mentioned, three minutes in prayer to the Holy Spirit where there's some sort of kind of vocal prayer that might be engaged there, and then a minute that is given uh, for prayers of thanksgiving. One of the things that I know for myself, I'm presuming that this is going to be common for almost anybody who's listening, we most of us have a finite amount of time that we can devote to really actively being in that silent time. You know, whether it's because we need to get to work, whether it's because uh, we need to get back to things that are our responsibility with our family, with a spouse, kids, whatever it may be. Those times there where you're setting that aside, um, the <laughs> being able to actually set aside that time to cultivate that silence, is it something where um, the, the mental prayer can be done while you're with others? Can you have mental prayer in a group or is it something where you do have to be kind of isolated on your own? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes to both. Okay. So I think that I had a great conversation with a, with a couple who I knew before they were married, did their wedding. They're now in that season of younger kids. And they talk about how years ago when they were single, they both had pretty good prayer lives as far as active meditation time and Eucharistic adoration and spiritual reading. And then as they got married, they sort of were doing that together for a while. And then, of course, along comes a baby and we have no time. And now their kids, the oldest are, you know, six, seven, and they're starting to like sort of do sort of guided meditations a little bit at night. So it's sort of, they're, they're recapturing a little bit of mental prayer time, but with their kids. And, and, and they said, well, you know, will the day come, you know, when our kids are out of the house that we can go back to a more active uh, meditation and, and contemplation? Yes, please God. So we have to be honest, right, with the seasons of our life. But I think we can all do something. We can all do something. I remember some years ago being with my doctor, you know, Father, you need to walk more, you need to exercise more, and I said, I'm just so busy. And he goes, okay. He goes, well, you know, can you do 15 minutes? Can you do 20 minutes? Like, it doesn't have to be three hours. Like, can you do something every day? Okay, yes, I can do something every day. And this is a priority. Why is it a priority? Because I want to be a disciple of Jesus, because that's what's going to make me happy. And I really can't be a disciple without some relationship of prayer. Alphonsus Liguori, you know, living in the 1700s in Italy, um, he really urged the Redemptorist brothers and fathers to open up clinics to teach people how to read, right? To teach people how to read. Now, that wasn't just for some social advocacy, social justice perspective. He wanted people to learn how to read so that their prayer lives could get better. Because <laughs> Alphonsus believed that you really couldn't become a saint without some level of mental prayer. And he said, you know, gazing at the stained glass window and having mental prayer, gazing at the crucifix, which was important for Alphonsus, mental prayer, good. But eventually, the pamphlets that Alphonsus spent his life writing 
to reflect on the passion of Christ, the birth of Christ, the life of Christ, and offer points of meditation that were very popular in that period of time. So I, I think, you know, if it's five minutes a day, great. What most people find is they love the five minutes so much that all of a sudden they find 10 minutes. Mm, sure. And then there's such fruit that there's 15 minutes. The famous story of Mother Teresa, which is, is, I, I know to be true because of another sister who knew, who worked with Mother at this point. You know, the sisters were urging Mother to do a holy hour every day. And Mother kept saying, look, we have Mass, we have morning prayer, evening prayer, night prayer. The poor need us. But eventually she said, okay, all right, fine. And so they set aside another hour of their day that they were not going to be with the poor, but they were going to be with Jesus. And Mother said she was so humbled because it seemed all of a sudden now the sisters were getting more done. They were more productive, they were more energetic, they were more loving, and God's providence had increased. Because what was happening in the Holy Hour, what happens in our five or ten minutes of mental prayer, three days a week or whatever, it builds our trust in God. And it takes us out of the driver's seat. And we begin more and more to discern what is really important. right? Because we're bringing the stuff of life to our mental prayer. We're not just thinking just about the things of heaven, we might be making a decision, should I take this new job or not? And I'm engaging in conversation with Jesus, you know, as he talks with the disciples in the scriptures or, or whatever, the road to Emmaus, whatever scene I want to use. Or I'm talking to the Father about my family life. And, and so it's going to set my priorities in a different way. I'm going to listen to Jesus and I'm going to feel the tug on my heart. Our spiritual director today, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, pastor of St. Raymond of Penafort Catholic Church there in Philadelphia, talking today about mental prayer. How have you set aside that time in your own life? Is it the morning prayer? Is it where you're able to have that 5, that 10, that 15 minutes on your own, able to not only talk with God, but be able to listen to what He is telling you? What are some helpful things you've been able to do to minimize those distractions while you're praying? Be able to keep your mind focused on God. Our studio line, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And we'll continue the conversation in just a moment here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Welcome back to The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Call in now to share your story with our Inner Life Spiritual Directors. 1-888-914-9149. That's 1-888-914-9149. This is The Inner Life on Relevant Radio. Welcome back. I'm Josh Raymond, and so glad to have you listening as we're talking today with our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh, a priest in the Archdiocese of Philadelphia, speaking about mental prayer. And if you missed any part of the conversation earlier, of course, the podcast is always available shortly after the program uh, concludes. It'll be available at RelevantRadio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. Uh, I want to say thank you to Nick Sentovich and Jim Shaper, our producers here on The Inner Life, as they're helping to make everything run smoothly behind the scenes here. And, of course, welcoming your phone calls at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149, as we're talking about mental prayer here. And... Uh, Father, right before the break, one of the things that you had mentioned that I think is so important to maybe re-emphasize is that concept of making a priority. You know, if this is something really important, if our relationship 
with God is something that we want to we want to develop. We want to foster. If there's truly a loving relationship back and forth there, if we're not just doing it out of routine or habit or uh, just to to impress somebody else, you know, whatever the other reasons might be, if we are really desiring to know and love and serve God, to be happy with him here in this life and to be with him for all eternity, then making that priority is such an important thing. We have to take that, that extra time. And you mentioned early in the morning, uh, the alarm when it goes off, I think for all of us, you know, there's some people who are just naturally morning people, but I think it's a pretty common thing that when that alarm goes off, it's not easy to get up out of bed. Oh, I could use an extra 5, 10, 30 minutes just to sleep. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not as rested as I really wish I should be. Um, what are some ways that you might encourage somebody and say, no, it's really going to pay off in the long run, and this is why you need to carve out that time? Yeah, again, I think it's unique to each person, and, and, and there's never a cookie cutter. Certainly some people end up making the commitment during Advent and Lent, and, and some people, praise God, are able to sort of continue that. And there's lots of wonderful, as we know, movements and apostolates um, in, in the church these days that are they're often run through parishes to sort of raise up that challenge, you know, to do this for 40 days or whatever. And people are able to do it. And then, of course, okay, it's Easter, so let me eat lots of chocolate and sleep in a little bit. So what's the commitment? I mean, it's, it's, as you said, it, it, in any relationship, right? If, if, if you're married and you're not spending time with your spouse, hmm, how's that going to go with your marriage? <laughs> um, you know, if you're dating someone, but you're not making a priority to be with them, where's that going to lead? Even our friendships, we see that, right? I, I mean, I wish I had more time for some of my friends from past, but it, it just, I don't. Um, at different times, I make a priority if they're going through something. And so I think that's the challenge. Like, is, is this a priority for us? And I think it's a decision that each of us have to come to. For some people, for certain seasons of their life, getting to Sunday Mass is what they can commit to. Praise God. Right. <laughs> Praise God. You know, maybe eventually they can get to, you know what, my church has a holy hour, you know, first Friday of the month. I'm going to really make a commitment to that. Okay. Praise God. You know, uh, and, and then maybe, okay, Lent and Advent, I'm going to be part of a small group. Okay, great. Praise God. But at some point, we have to make a decision. I want regular prayer to be a part of my life. You know, I want to pray in a way that leads to my knowing the voice of God, my feeling the presence of God in my life. And it's not like I can read all the books I want. I can listen to all the podcasts I want. I can watch all the videos I want. If I don't actually commit the five or ten minutes a few times a week, I'm not going to develop the prayer life that I want. And I believe that every Christian wants it. It's just, can we say no to something else to do this? Right. So oftentimes, why can people do it during Lent? Well, because they're not on Facebook, or they're not watching TV, or they're not on Netflix. And so all of a sudden, they've got this extra hour a day. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's and, and exactly so, right. I mean, I can't extend my 24-hour day into a 25-hour day, but I can take time that I'm doing with something else and shifting it to this. I have a, a guy I know who, who shared with me recently that the way he found time for prayer was he was going to a gym and working out, which was important to him, praise God. It kept him healthy. It kept him, his stress level down and his blood pressure down and everything else. But at the gym, all he was doing was getting on a treadmill. And so he decided to take the money that he was spending on a gym membership and get a treadmill in the house. 
And now all of a sudden, the 15 minutes that he was spending driving to the gym and back, he had a half hour for spiritual reading and mental prayer. Yeah. So he, yeah. he creatively looked at his schedule and said, okay, well, if I do this here, and he was in a position to do it, then I've got this extra half hour. Our spiritual director, Father Chris Walsh. And uh, Father, let's go to the phones. We've got Virginia, who's listening in Georgetown, Texas. Hi, Virginia. Welcome to The Inner Life today. Hi. Thanks for uh, having me on. I've never called in before, so... Well, I'm glad to have you here. Yeah, how do you incorporate prayer into in your life? So, I was saying, I have a, a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old little boy. Um, and so life, as you can imagine, is very hectic. But my husband and I, we do get up early and I get dressed. And then I literally go into my closet and shut the door. I have a crucifix hung in there, um, which to anyone who's not of the faith, that would seem kind of weird, right? But you can kneel beneath it and just start your day opening it with with God. And I have found that truly uh, my days are more level-footed because of that. You know, I go in and I, I do um, my prayers, and I, I pray even to the saints who petition on my behalf, and um, the St. Michael prayer, I'll do that. You know, you do just take a quiet place in the house and dark, you know, and just kind of disconnect from everything. And when you come out, you know, you're ready to start the day. It's, it's really a good way to find and carve out the time, I think, before the kids get up and breakfast needs to be made and rooms need to be cleaned. And I feel more grounded because of that. And sometimes you just have to try to get it done, uh, I think, before the hectic part of life is awake, (laughs) you know? Yeah, yeah, and praise God, there's a great um, movie, The War Room, right, where the, the, the woman has the prayer closet. And... Uh, I remember my mom shared with me that for many years her, her prayer closet was the bathroom because it was the one place that no one would, would bother her. And, uh, and and I've seen folks with devotionals, you know, in the bathroom uh, because if it's a quiet place, if it's the only place you can hide away, praise God, use it. And again, saying those devotional prayers, great, and then just carve out the silence. Even, I mean, the prayer of St. Michael can become a source of meditation if we just took each line and sat with it and gave ourselves 30 seconds in between saying, God, what are you saying? God, what are you doing in my heart? You know, God, how are you protecting me today? So that it, so that it sets us up to really begin listening and for that, 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 that larger relationship with the Lord. Uh, Father, we're down to just a last few seconds here on the program, but if somebody's listening and they want to read more about uh, mental prayer, meditative prayer, is there a saint you might recommend? Is there a book you might say, this is a great place to start? You know, one of the simple ones, I think, is, is Matthew Kelly's I Heard God Laugh. I think he offers a prayer method and sort of his own accounts. They're readily available. A lot of parishes have given them away, so maybe you already got one for free. And pick it up and read it again. Very good. Well, Father Chris Walsh, as we're down to our last 10 seconds here, could I ask you for a blessing for all of our listeners as we conclude the program today? Through the intercession of Saints Joachim and Anne and all the saints and angels, may Almighty God bless you and give you a desire for prayer, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, Father Chris Walsh, for being our spiritual director. Again, the show, you can find it coming up shortly on the podcasts available at relevantradio.com or on the Relevant Radio app. And stay tuned with us tomorrow. We're going to be talking about the virtue of hope. There's a lot in the world that's not so hopeful, but we have that virtue of hope in our faith. We'll talk with you tomorrow.